to the Scout and the Sports page. I'm the host, Paige Demakos, here with Gary Horton, and we are going through the best four matchups, in our opinion, heading into this weekend, week five. We got some teams on the bye, and we're finally we're finally getting into what is the, the kind of the crunch time of the season. We're getting into that middle part of the season, and hopefully we get a better idea of who these teams are. But Gary, how you doing first and foremost? I'm doing great. I'm looking out my window at two cruise ships in the San Diego Harbor, (laughs) 75 degrees. You know, other than that, it's a, it's an okay day. Yeah. Sounds, sounds about right. That's uh, this is where everyone turns off because they're like, all right, Gary, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, okay. We're going to get into our first matchup here. That's the three and one Carolina Panthers going to Detroit. Who's also three and one. Uh, impressive start for these guys and uh, an impressive victory last weekend for Carolina, especially going on the road, being able to beat New England. You kind of see Cam Newton finally looking like that quarterback that we're expecting. Now, Cam Newton making headlines for himself off the field, which isn't exactly great as far as a distraction, but we'll move past that and talk a little bit about more uh, Detroit and what they've done. They they sneak out a victory uh, 14-7. They beat Minnesota, but Dalvin Cook goes down in that game, and and Detroit kind of looks like the team to beat in the NFC North. But, Gary, for this specific matchup, what are your keys to victory here? Well, my first key, Paige, is uh, Detroit's got to continue to get their takeaways. A year ago, they only had 14 takeaways the entire season. Already through four games, they have 11 takeaways. And uh, my sources tell me, they spent a lot of time in practice jumping routes, going after interceptions. They work on stripping the ball. They're kind of a high-risk, high-reward defense, and I think that's going to be very important versus Cam to try to get some takeaways and get the ball back to uh, Matthew Stafford. Uh, my second key, Carolina linebackers need a strong coverage day. Now, they're the only unit in the NFL all three linebackers can stay on the field for all three downs, Kickley, Davis, and Thompson. And that really helps them match up well because now if, if a team comes out and throws, they don't get them in bad situations. Detroit loves to throw to their backs. It's almost their running game, and it's an extension of their run game. So I think the linebackers are going to have to be very aware in this game, and they're going to have to cover backs out of the backfield. And that'll be a, a, a huge factor. And then the third key, can McCaffrey isolate the Detroit linebackers in coverage? Uh, when you watch them on film, they're moving him all over the formation. He'll even line up in the backfield at times, uh, even maybe with Jonathan Stewart. You keep the defense and your base personnel when they have backs in the backfield. Then they'll motion him, Page, out to an empty formation, and they'll see if a linebacker goes with him. That's the matchup they're always looking for, McCaffrey on a linebacker. And I think we will see a lot of empty backfield looks where he hopes that's the, the, the matchup that he gets. Absolutely, absolutely. I think this is going to be a really good one. But when we look at specific matchups, we like to look at individual players that we're watching. And the guys that you're watching, one of my favorite all-time players, Julius Peppers, one of the best guys I've ever watched in football. I've enjoyed watching his career for a long time. So you're watching Julius Peppers, and who else are you watching? Well, he's going he's gonna to face uh, Ricky Wagner, uh, who was one of the Detroit's prized free agent uh, acquisitions. 
but I just love love the way Peppers plays. He's he's got four and a half sacks, which leads the Panthers. And the coaches are doing a great job of limiting his snaps, so he only comes in on twenty or thirty edge rushes. He stays fresh. But at age thirty-seven, I've been told that this guy is the absolute mentor to the younger players. Uh, he's the leader on that defense. Everybody looks up to him. And I think it's a great addition uh, to this football team that he can finish his career in Carolina and still be productive in the role that they ask him to play. Absolutely, absolutely. But let's look at an X Factor. X Factor. We like to we like to give somebody maybe the people out there they're they're watching the game and they want to see somebody who can who can make a difference in this game that isn't the quarterback or isn't somebody a running back or necessarily a position player that we're paying attention to. So who is your X Factor in this game? Well, the guy that's really emerging is Detroit's defensive end uh, Anthony Zettel. This guy has 20 pep pressures through four games. He's very active. They've been looking for a long time for a bookend to uh, Ziggy Ansah. And this guy now on the other side looks like a guy that can give him that outside pressure. I, I love his motor. Uh, he goes 100 miles an hour. He has tremendous energy. And I think now that they have a little bit of an edge pass rush, Ansah's playing a little better than he was a year ago, uh, this will be an interesting guy uh, to see because not many people know about him. Absolutely. Now, the last thing we get into, our, fa- our fantasy football sleeper of the week. I have some thoughts here, but I, I mostly I, I am in agreement with you. I like where you're going with this, and this is a Carolina position player. So who is your fantasy football sleeper of the week? Well, it's Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, you know, he's a big guy. We know that they're missing Greg Olson, and they're missing Olson on those seam routes. Uh, but he has enough size he can run those intermediate routes. He had a 104 yards on receptions a week ago. You know, Cam needs a go-to guy on those intermediate routes. This guy can, because of his big body, he can shield the defender. He can make those contested 50-50 uh, catches. And I think that he can be a very active guy again until Olsen comes back in the middle of the field, you know, when Cam needs a third down uh, conversion. Absolutely. Now, next game we're getting into here. There's so, there are a lot of good games this week, but I like this one specifically because it's the NFC West, and it's a team that has surprised a lot of people. That's the L.A. Rams. Seattle beat an Indianapolis team last week. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're going on the road to play L.A. L.A. doesn't exactly inspire a home confidence uh, that has this big home field advantage yet. They're playing in an old stadium. They're not playing in their new shiny stadium that has yet to be built, but Seattle is not the same team away from home as they are. We've we've seen that year after year. And the LA Rams are a much different team this year. They go on the road, they get a they get a road victory in Dallas last week, and they're proving that under Sean McVay, it's I just keep saying to myself how bad of a coach was Jeff Fisher because this team is not that much different position-wise on offense and this just completely looks like a completely different team, Gary. Oh, there there's no question. I mean, I find it amazing. A month ago, if we would have said this is a big four game in week five, people would have laughed at us. But, you know, when you watch the Rams on film page, they're legitimate. These are not fluke wins. These these guys are winning because they're just outplaying their competition. You know, and, and it's just, they're just so fun to watch. And when I look at the keys to this game, 
you know, the first thing I see, Seattle must establish a run game. And I don't know how they're going to do it because I don't think they can fix their problems until the off season. You know, they'll tell you that their offensive line is young and they're getting better, but I don't see that much on film. Now their best back, Chris Carson, is gone. So you're looking at Eddie Lacy. Maybe he's their goal line guy. If he gets some carries, he could be a scratch. Thomas Rawls looks like he'll be the lead back. McKissick, maybe a third down back. Uh, Procise, maybe a third down back. But they're just a bunch of guys behind a bad offensive line and I just don't know where it's going to come from, but they have to have some success, and it's not going to be easy versus this Rams front seven. Uh, second key to the game, Goff needs to keep taking those deep shots. In the beginning of the season, this was a dink and dunk offense, I think, because they just didn't trust Goff. And now that they have Sandy, Sammy Watkins, they're opening things up. The, the play calling is unbelievably creative. And when you have that deep threat, now defenses, as we know, can't load the boxes to, to uh, stop Gurley. And so all of a sudden now we've got better blocking angles for the run game. And it just has a tremendous trickle-down effect. And so I think that's going to be an interesting part of this game. Look for three and four wide receiver sets to get Seattle and their sub-packages. And then the Rams may come back and decide to run the ball against softer personnel. And then the third key, can the Seattle pass rush uh, get the golf? They've got a great front four. They have good depth. They can go to six or seven guys, but they like to rush four and drop seven into coverage. Ironically, as good as they are, Paige, they only have nine sacks for the season. And they're just, their pressure is good, but they're just not getting to the quarterback. And I think part of the problem that, for them is they're seeing offenses almost every week that go to the short passing game kind of with that ball out quick philosophy to negate the pass rush so you know the rams are going to have to make a decision here do they want to shorten their passing game if the pressure is getting to them or do they want to take some chances and go deep knowing that those seven step drops also give the seattle pass rush more time to get to goth Absolutely. This this key matchup here is a good one. I've I've read through this and I'm always interested. I've I, maybe it's because it's this year and it seems to be continuously. I'm watching the offensive line and I'm critical of an offensive line, especially here in Seattle where you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson who I love to watch play, who's a very talented guy, but just haven't hasn't been given the guys in the backfield that need to get it done um, since Marshawn Lynch left, and that offensive line is just not very good. So here you're watching Aaron Donald, and you're watching this offensive line. Why are you watching these guys? Well, Aaron Donald is so fun to watch every week, and now he's in shape after his holdout. Uh, you know, he was just all over last week. I mean, he, he gets tremendous one-gap uh, penetration, uh, you, he disrupts everything you're trying to do on offense. And he's going to face now an interior line, as you said, that's not very, just not very good. And I think that he's going to have a chance to really put uh, Wilson, you know, on the run. And, and even though Wilson's a guy that likes to get outside the pocket, if they protect the edges, and if Donald can give them interior penetration, I think that could really disrupt uh, the Seattle passing game and what Wilson wants to do. 
Okay, so your X factor in this game is the I would say he's in my top three of favorite linebackers to watch because of what he does as a player and when you watch him on film what his abilities are. So your X factor in this game is Bobby Wagner and what does he have to do to be the X factor that you need him to be in this game for Seattle to get a win? Well, we know he's a, a tackling machine. I mean, he's all over the field. He's got great instincts. He gets a jump on the ball. Obviously, he's going to have to step up and fill versus Todd Gurley. But I think where he could really make an impact in this game, page is in coverage. Gurley, all of a sudden, has become a little bit of a weapon on outlet passes and dump-offs. And Wagner is really good in coverage. I think he's very underrated. And this could be an interesting matchup on third down, Wagner covering Gurley on those out routes because we know when Gurley is in the, on the second level and in space, he is a tough guy to bring down. So I would look at that as a potentially very interesting matchup. Yep. And your fantasy football sleeper here is uh, because there's been some injuries. And this backfield in Seattle has created chaos for fantasy football owners trying to figure out who is the guy week in and week out. So why are you going with Thomas Rawls this week? What is what is giving you the feelings that he's going to be a, a good guy to have on the roster? Well, in all honesty, Paige, I'm not sure I have that feeling, but as I looked at this <laughs> game, I couldn't find anybody else. I mean, they have to run the ball, and it's sort of the next man up, and I, I think that's Rawls. But I, I'm not overly committed to it you know i don't feel great about it he's he has the qualities i mean i loved this guy a couple of years ago uh but we just haven't seen anything since i think he's the guy that could give them production on first and second down i don't think he's the third down back but again as we've said all through this matchup somebody has to step to the front and i think he's probably the first guy to do it but I don't have assurances that he will be the guy that can get the job done. But that's why he's a sleeper. Yeah, he's a sleeper. He's a guy you could pick up cheap in a daily fantasy league, that's for sure. And uh, it's gonna got to be one of those things where you're waiting for this backfield to figure it out, and if it isn't this week, it's probably not going to happen going forward. So this is, uh, I think that you put him on notice this week as your sleeper, and you, and you move forward and hope that he can do something uh, this week for you in your fantasy lineup. But we are going to take quick, a quick break, and when we get back, we will do our third and fourth matchups of the week. Welcome back to the Scout on the Sports page. I'm the host, Paige, here with Gary, and we're getting into our third matchup of the week, and that is the 3-1 and Green Bay Packers visiting Dallas, who is now 2-2. Two and two. They just dropped a home game last week to the L.A. Rams. Green Bay is an interesting team because they've just been dealing with so many injuries. Uh, they just routed the Chicago Bears last week. It was an atrocious performance from Mike Glennon, and now they're going to Mitch Trubisky. But with the Green Bay Packers, this offensive line has dealt with a lot of injuries. Defensively, they dealt with a lot, a lot of injuries. Ty Montgomery goes down. I mean, this, this Green Bay Packers team has dealt with more injuries than they think anybody in the league, but the difference is they have a guy named Aaron Rodgers. But this Dallas Cowboys team is coming off a loss at home, and I think they're going to be up to the challenge at home again this week and Green Bay going on the road. What are you expecting from this game, and what are your keys to the game, Gary? Well, I, my first key to the game, and, and you're exactly right, Green Bay has got to get healthy, but they've also got to play good in the red zone. I think this is where this game, which looks to me to be very close, will be won or lost. Ironically, 
The Packers are the best offense in the red zone right now. A lot of that's Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson. They just have a tremendous chemistry. We know Rodgers is a master at the line of scrimmage on getting the right matchup and getting them into the right play. What is ironic, though, on the other side of the ball page, they're 31st in red zone defense. They're just not a great matchup pass defense. We also know that Dallas, close to the goal line, compound them with Elliott. So I think that that could be where they win or lose this game when they're down close to the goal line on either side of the ball. Uh, second key, can the Packers play their defensive, what they call their nitro package? That's a lot of four safety schemes. You talked about it earlier. With all of their injuries, they're, faced to cha- they're, they're forced to change their personnel They're going with a lot of four safety looks. They like the way that matches up versus uh, spread passing teams, but it's also a little softer versus strong run games. And I wonder if they can afford to play the Nitro package this week versus Dallas because it's really kind of a football version of small ball, and we know that Dallas is going to pound them. So the Cowboys probably hope they're in the Nitro package, smaller personnel, It'll be interesting if Green Bay decides to go with it or if they go back to a a bigger base uh, package. And then the third key, can Dallas get to Rodgers with a four-man rush? This is not a defense that likes to blitz a lot. They like to rush four and drop seven. But they have a little bit of a dilemma. If they can't get pressure and they bring the blitz, it puts average corners on an island in man coverages. Well, Aaron Rodgers loves that. Now he can identify those man-to-man matchups. You know, if they sit back in coverage and say, we're not going to blitz, we're going to have seven defenders back, then Rodgers will probably have time with a lack of a pass rush to pick apart those zones. So I think early in the game, it'll be interesting to see what their philosophy is. Are we going to take our chances and come after him? Are we going to sit back and hope that he'll make a mistake on long multiplay drives. All right, the the key matchup here, I think every week is Aaron Rodgers versus insert defensive players. So this week you're watching Aaron Rodgers because he's the best player on the field and who are you watching from from uh Dallas on the other side of the ball? Well, I, I actually am looking at two guys, Sean Lee, their linebacker and Byron Jones, their safety. I think they're the best two players on their defense. They're very instinctive. And Rodgers loves to tease defenses at the line of scrimmage. He'll use every trick in the book to get him out of position. Lee's going to obviously he would be on the second level, Jones on the on the third level on the back end. But Rodgers does so many little things. He'll try to maneuver him with his eyes to get him out of position. Look one way, come back the other. Uh, he'll use the pump fake to force him to bite on the play. He'll draw him off sides. Excuse me, to create a free play, and nobody is better at the line of scrimmage before. Excuse me, before the snap, recognizing the coverage and changing the play. So, when you're looking for your X factor here, this is a guy that I've been paying attention to throughout this year, and I'm just trying to figure out what Green Bay is going to do with him because he was a guy that people were excited about from a fantasy perspective. And I think as many injuries as as Green Bay has suffered on the offensive line, every week he becomes more and more valuable to Green Bay as a team and less and less valuable from a fantasy perspective. So 
who is your X factor this week for this game? Well, it's Martellus Bennett. Now, he only has 17 receptions through four games, and he's probably not the difference maker that they hope he will become. But Rodgers seems to be getting more, developing more chemistry with him, and I still think he's going to be a big part of this passing game, especially if their offensive line is still banged up this week and Rodgers have to, has to go to a shorter, ball-out, quick passing game. That could mean slant routes underneath stuff to Bennett on kind of a safety valve and less seven-step drops and deep passes. So I think he's a guy to keep an eye on, and he can, you know, he can play in line, he can motion, he can go outside. But I think we're going to see more from him than we've seen in the past. Who is your fantasy football sleeper this week? It's a guy that I talked about in my fantasy show on Tuesday, and I love where you're going here because of the injuries that have happened to Green Bay. Unfortunately for them, this guy is going to have to step up a rookie for Green Bay. Yeah, and it's Aaron Jones, and it's much like the Seattle situation. Somebody's got to provide them with the run game. But when you watch this guy, he's a little guy, but you know what? He he creates yards after contact. He's willing to run between the tackles. Uh, he's not extremely fast, but he's quick, and he just kind of grows on you because it looks like he belongs there, and I think he's going to get – Obviously, a lot of quality snaps. The coaches liked him in the preseason, and obviously they still like him now. So I think he's the guy to keep an eye on uh, versus the Dallas defense that he could have some success against. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch him. I have him on my bench, and I'm uh, thinking about putting him in a flex position because I feel pretty good about my matchup this week, and I could take a little a little risk by putting him in there. Now, the last matchup we're getting into, the only undefeated team left in the league. That is the Kansas City Chiefs going on the road to play the Houston Texans, who just came off a, a 57-point game, which was unbelievable for Deshaun Watson. The Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. Uh, last week, Washington gave them a scare at home on Monday Night Football. They get a late, they get a late uh, touchdown to make it 29-20, so it felt more uh, more skewed than it was. It was a very, very close game down to the very last drop. And Houston's coming off that 57-14 win against, against Tennessee. And all of a sudden, you're looking at this rookie quarterback, Deshaun Watson, and going, man, oh, man, is he figuring out the offense enough that this team is going to be a team to be reckoned with? They've got an elite defense. If they can put up 24 to 30 points a week with that defense, they're going to feel pretty confident going into any game to get a victory. So for both of these teams, what is the keys to victory for Kansas City and for Houston uh, this week in this last matchup on Sunday Night Football? Well, my first key to the game is can this Chiefs offensive line handle the Texas uh, four-man pass rush? When they go to their four-man rush, we know about J.J. Watt, we know about Clowney, we know about Merciless, but now they have another guy, Christian Covington, that comes in in passing situations. These guys are all one-gap penetrators. They can win with power or they can win with quickness. And I love the way that they move all over the defense to get the right matchup. They can play inside. They can play outside. I think what Kansas City will do, because their offensive line will really struggle to hold up, is Alex Smith will, uh, will go to a ball-out, quick, short-passing game to negate that pass rush. Three- and five-step drops depend on yards after the catch, and that could 
all of a sudden slow the pass rush down and really frustrate the Texans. Uh, the second key, Houston needs to stay with their creative play calling. Bill O'Brien, and we talked about this on, on Monday, Page, he's the happiest guy in the world now because he can use his his entire playbook with Deshaun Watson. He's, his game calling and his game plans have been terrific. Watson's the guy that's starting to make adjustments at the line of scrimmage. He's reading defenses. Uh, he can call an audible. And those are all things that are really important in O'Brien's offense. Uh, Watson will make every throw. And now they've added a, a, a little zone read that he ran so well in college as part of this offense. They went back, obviously, and looked at his college film. And now all of a sudden you have a zone read as another thing that a defense has to prepare for. This is a smart Chiefs defense. So I think O'Brien has to have a really creative game plan, especially early in the game. And when they script the first 15 plays, I think that'll be a really key to what's going on. But this is a nice chess match between Houston's defense and O'Brien's play calling. And then the third key, I think we'll see a ton of screen passes from Kansas City. Now, the advantage for the Chiefs, because this is such an aggressive defensive front for for uh, the Texans, a lot of times they can get out of position. They can over-penetrate. That makes them a little <clears throat> susceptible to wham and trap blocks. And this offensive line for Kansas City does a good job of blocking in space. So I think what they're – but they used to the, – the screen game used to be an extension of the run game. Now that they have a real back, they don't have to do that all the time. But we're going to see bubble screens, wide receiver screens, middle screens, tight end screens. You know, they're going to wear Texas out with their screen pass packages – and I and also their gadget plays, and that'll be fun to watch because it's the most creative screen package in the NFL. Absolutely. So the key matchup here that you have, Travis Kelsey might be the best dancer in all of the NFL. He is uh, known for his touchdown celebrations. But why are you watching Travis Kelsey in the Houston safeties this week? Well, because the Houston safeties, if there's a weakness to the defense, it's probably – and on the inside. And Kelsey is a guy that I think will probably run more seam routes than we've seen in the past uh, in, in this game and attack the safeties uh, because that's that seems to be the weakness. They're okay on the corners, but the linebackers and the safeties inside uh, are a little susceptible. And we know that Kelsey is the go-to guy for Alex Smith. You can also see some uh, shovel passes. But I think he can exploit these safeties, and, and that'll be something to watch. Okay, the X factor in this game I like a lot, and that is because it is DeAndre Hopkins, and he's on my fantasy football team. So I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that he has a big week. What are you, what are you thinking is going to happen for him? Well, this is going to be very interesting because we know he's the go-to guy for Watson. Anytime he needs to play, that's where he's going to look. We also know that he's probably the only guy that they can really depend on for big passing plays. But here's the problem. Marcus Peters, we know, is an elite cover corner. Sometimes against a number one receiver, they'll have him trail him all over the field, and he'll take one guy all day and cover him. 
sometimes when they don't have an elite receiver on the other side of the ball, they'll just keep Peters on one side of the field and basically say, I'm taking half the field away from you. You're going to have to go to the other side. I think early on in this game, you need to watch. Is Peters going to take Hopkins all over the field, or is he going to stay on one side? And in that case, Hopkins would line up probably most of the day on the other side. So I think that's the key to watch. My feeling is that because he's such a huge weapon, Peters will probably be assigned to cover him all over the field. And and although Peters might follow him along the field, Peters gave up two touchdowns last week. So even if Peters does follow him around, I'm still thinking Hopkins is going to have a good week for me on my fantasy team. So I'm starting him no matter what. But let's end things with the fantasy football sleeper. And I like this one a lot. Uh, Chiefs receiver, which uh, in past years I would have laughed at you if you were talking to me about a Chiefs uh, receiver because (laughs) Alex Smith was not getting the ball out like he is now. But who is your receiver this week from the Chiefs, and why is he your fantasy football sleeper? Well, it's Albert Wilson. And, uh, again, I'm not just wild about him, but I think with the attention the big three get, Hill, Hunt, and Kelsey – He's kind of a guy that flies under the radar. We know he's always going to get a favorable uh, one-on-one matchup against probably your third or fourth corner. He's never going to get double-team, obviously. And he had four receptions last week for 63 yards. And he's a guy also that can side adjust a little bit when the play starts to, to break down. They'll go to more three wide receiver sets, and I think the coaches have a little faith in him that he can be that, that uh, third guy. So I don't know that he'll post big numbers, but I think his touches will increase. All right, Gary, any parting thoughts as we uh, end the podcast for this week? I'm uh, I, Mostly I'm just paying attention to I, – I like all these games, but I'm just hoping that we're seeing some, some of these teams that we think are good continue to be good so we figure out who is actually good in the NFL because I think I'm still trying to figure out – who are the best teams other than the Kansas City Chiefs who walk away with a 4-0 record? Uh, I want to see them have a good performance on the road. I want to see some of the others, some of these other teams we're talking about and, uh, and who separates starts to separate themselves as we go into Week 5. You're right because we have a lot of good teams, but I don't know that we have a lot of great teams. Even Kansas City looked mortal, you know, their last game out against Washington. So... I think it's going to be interesting. I hope we will get a little bit more clarity this week. Uh, but it looks to me, Paige, like it's going to be that kind of a season. I think it's everything's up for grabs. I don't think there's a dominant team in the NFL. I mean, New England could lose their Thursday night game at Tampa Bay, and all of a sudden they could be, you know, two and three. So it's a it's a wild ride, but uh, we love it. That's why we're involved in it. Yeah, that's why we love the NFL. There's a lot of opportunity for everybody this year, especially when uh, I think at the beginning of the year everybody was saying New England's going to win the Super Bowl, and now I don't know how many people are going to continue to pick that, from, uh, especially if they lose on Thursday Night Football. But, Gary, thank you so much, as usual. If you want to read all of Gary's content, it's on fanragsports.com, as always, and you can follow him at Gary Horton NFL. And if you want to follow me and you want to hear all about the ranting and raving about fantasy football, which is usually happening on my Twitter account, it's at the underscore sports page with an I. But, Gary, thank you so much for joining me again. But for Gary Horton, I'm Paige Demakos. This has been The Scout and the Sports Page.